Hi, everyone. This is Brad Thomas with The Ground Up. I'm back again with another CEO interview. And today I'm joined with John Thomas. John is the CEO of Physicians Realty, and that ticker symbol is DOC, D-O-C. So, John, good to see you today. Good to see you, Brad. John, uh, we're back here in the first quarter now. We're, we're completely closed out. We just finished signing up yesterday. Uh, but moving over to the medical office building sector, uh, I know you had some commentary. Uh, I was reading over the earnings transcript here this morning, uh, just about in general, you know, how the medical office building and really the healthcare industry in general uh, is, uh, is going today. You mentioned on the call, uh, the CMS estimates of $4.1 trillion uh, were spent on healthcare services in 2020 alone. So at a high level, uh, what do you think about the healthcare sector today? Yeah, Brad, and again, thanks for, for having me. Um, you know, medical office uh, proved itself in 2020 is really the, you know, kind of most reliable, most resilient uh, real estate asset class, certainly in the healthcare space, but I, I would argue in, in, in all real estate, the, um, you know, the kind of performance last year for many, you know, for all real estate asset classes was, are, are people uh, surviving and paying your rent, whether it be residential, you know, commercial, retail, industrial, you know, tower um, or healthcare. And, um, you know, we, we collected 99.6% of our rent last year. That's bills out the door, cash came, came back in. Uh, most medical office uh, portfolios, whether it be public or private, again, all range in that mid to, to high 90s um, percent rent collection. So medical office, you know, it once again performed the way it's supposed to. We've never had to test it in a pandemic, but we, we got the results from that uh, last year. So right now, medical office, there's a flood of capital flowing in, um, trying to invest in medical office for, for those reasons and, and more. But, um, you know, we have a, a very bright future and looking forward to it. Great. Well, John, you know, I've, I've visited a number of your, your properties, of which I'm a shareholder in Doc. So I guess, you know, visit some of my buildings uh, as well. Um, and you do have, the company does have a, a pretty large percentage of investment grade. I think that's one of the, as I've written about this quite a, quite a bit, this is one of the key differentiators for Doc is the, um, the fact that you do focus more heavily on or weight more heavily the uh, the investment grade exposure. Can you talk about that a little bit and how that plays into your your business model? Yeah, we 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 work directly with health systems as much as possible, and and because and, and primarily with investment grade nonprofit investment grade health systems, we do have some for profit operators that providers. But you know, in in, in that context and working directly with them, you know, we've the result has been we've got sixty two percent of our direct lease of our leases are directly with investment grade quality credit. And I say it that way because we got one health system that's, you know, such a strong balance sheet, they don't even issue debt. So they don't get rated by an agency, but we see their financials, they compare very positively positively to, you know, A plus, double A kind of credit. So it's been a focus of ours. So it doesn't mean, and again, a lot of our physician tenants are independent and don't have credit ratings, but they'll be, they're more than likely in a building with an investment grade credit health system and, you know, in some way affiliated with that health system. And that's been a focus of ours. And we continue to, um, you know, want to improve those percentages over time. But, you know, we're always going to have uh, buildings with great physician groups that, uh, you know, with high EBITDA multiples. And so it's a, it's a blend. Yeah. So I know one thing, you know, we look at very closely is retention. Um, yeah. I did see that you did replace a pretty large vacancy 
in one of your buildings uh, in the first quarter. Can you touch on that? Yeah, we it, one of our uh, original legacy IPO buildings. It was a it was a newer building at the time of our IPO in, in 2013. Uh, the building was occupied two thirds by a, a large multi specialty practice group, and we we always assumed they would move into the, the third floor of that building. It was it was occupied at the time by a division of United Healthcare, and, and again, great great credit there. So no no concerns. But eventually, United Health uh, decided to move out, and the multi specialty group wasn't quite ready to expand. And so um, I think that was about two years ago, but it was about 25,000 feet. It's the largest vacancy we have in our, had in our portfolio. And now we've got uh, the, the multi-specialty group, very strong in this market, very nice market that's um, moving into that space and has signed a new long-term lease on the whole building. So just a, a fantastic result. And Amy Hall and Mark Thine uh, on our team that spearheaded that did a great job. Great. Well, I want to touch on, if we could, John, the kind of the growth uh, of 2021, uh, I know that uh, the company's guided about 400 to 600 million dollars uh, of investment activity. Um, it looks like you did, you know, you closed on some uh, activity in the first quarter, but uh, do you still do you still see that pipeline out there uh, for uh, 400 to 600 million this year? Yeah, we we're very confident in that we we um, again just the pace a little bit behind schedule from a pace perspective over the, the course of the year but we so we'll be a little bit back-ended in in meeting those uh, those goals and and, and that guidance uh, back half of the year but um, you know we, we closed on Wesley Chapel it's a it's a great uh, medical office building that just finished construction CO'd in the first part of the year that uh, it's on the campus of a hospital down in uh, Tampa with the Adventist Health System uh, down there, so strong investment, great credit. Moffitt Cancer Center, which is you know the dominant uh, oncology provider in, in the mid part of Florida, is a big part of that building, and then Ambulatory Surgery Center as well. So we're really excited about that and expanding our you know future opportunities with Adventist Health. But more in the pipeline, more uh, under contract or letters of intent, and um, you know expect to be uh, publishing more about those as they get uh, get closed. I know your development pipeline, you're generating, you know, a little better spreads than, than the acquisitions. Right. Uh, what, what's the development pipeline look like? Development pipeline's really strong. You know, can interestingly, um, you know, some of the projects that we're financing that we've, we've already financed or starting to finance this year were delayed from last year, which, you know, made sense. But the, um, you know, we've seen a number of health systems, um, you know, starting new projects, getting ready to start new projects that, um, so I think, I think, you know, we were thinking going into the year, we, we, we do about a hundred million of development starts where we're financing it. Somebody else is, is developing and building it, obviously. But uh, again, anchored by health systems and uh, not always hundred percent pre-leased, but highly pre-leased and gives us, uh, you know, some opportunity for upside on the, on the leasing over time. So, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, what we've financed so far is about 60 million and, um, of projects that'll be the, the full value of those buildings once they're completed. And then, you know, I think a hundred's still conservative and, and it could be more this year. So we see a lot of development out there across the board, just generally um, coming to fruition. Great. Well, John, I want to kind of touch on the, a uh, little bit on the, on the earnings uh, growth. Uh, obviously you, you had good earnings in the first quarter. Uh, we have uh, analyst estimates look like about three to 4% growth based on our, our numbers, uh, 21, 22. Yeah. Um, and in terms of your cost of capital, cause obviously you're, so you're going in and you're acquiring 400 to 600 million this year. 
uh, cap rates in the, you know, in the five, five range, five and a half range to six range, depending on development acquisition. So can you talk a little bit about your, your cost of capital today? Uh, obviously, we, we both would uh, probably agree we want our equity uh, cost to be a little better. Uh, yep. I think shares are still a little bit undervalued, but uh, just overall from the overall equity and debt side of the transaction, how do you, how do you feel about your cost of capital? And, and again, be able to grow this, uh, this earnings, uh, these earnings uh, four to five percent a year. Yeah, the way we the way we underwrite and project out the uh, returns on the investments we make is over a ten year basis, and it's a blend heavily weighted towards equity than than debt, but a blend of equity and debt again over the over that ten year period. So, um, you know, five percent uh, can be you know, or five percent cap rates, which is a first year number, and then growing two and a half percent, three percent. You know, with embedded lease. Um, Lease increasers, you know, can be very creative to you know, to our current cost of capital. But as you said, the stock's still on site on sale. It, it, uh, we'd like a higher stock price and deserve deserve a higher stock price. We believe, and and on our on our debt side of our of our capital, we 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 meet all the criteria for a two notch upgrade from the rating agencies. So we're working with them as hard as we can. I, I you know, we'll take one notch now and one notch next year, but. Uh, you know, but, but we deserve it. We all our metrics um, pass through. I mean, we collected 99.6% of our rents from, you know, in, in a world pandemic. And I think that speaks to the quality of the providers, the quality of the credit, you know, the quality of the facilities and markets that we're in and, and, and that we've invested in, you know, on the shareholder's behalf. So cost of capitals, you know, is okay right now. It's, we want it to be better, should be better. And, um, you know, there's lots of good opportunities in that, in that range for growth, as we, as we mentioned. Well, obviously, uh, you know, your S&P is triple B minus. Uh, I'm certainly not a, um, a rating agency, but, you know, if you can get that, if you can get S&P uh, twisted arm a little bit, I think that's going to help you as well. Um, maybe I'll help twist it for you as a shareholder. But uh, yeah, if you, anyway. if you think about it, 62% of our underlying tenants are, you know, A plus or better, which is four notches up from us. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. We were passing through rents from those credits, and that's you know should should increase the credit rating we have. Well, and I and I've made this argument quite a bit, John. I mean, I think you know in terms of comparing your company again, we, we're we're shareholders in HTA, and we looked at HR and your direct peers as well as your indirect peers, Mintos. But you know because you've got such high exposure to investment grade, I mean, I think that certainly uh, you know should be. I think the market should value Doc at a little higher multiple in that regard. And, and when I compare companies like Realty Income in the net lease space, it's trading at about a 20 multiple. We think probably moving closer to that 22 times with this new acquisition with Barry coming up in the fourth quarter. Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, all, all, you know, all, everything's really pointing right to a, a credit upgrade at some point. Um, yeah. I, I want to ask you one thing, John, is, um, and this, I just thought of this, you know, we've been looking at this 1031 exchange Pretty hard, and of course, the Biden administration is, um, I guess, threatening some changes to that tax law. Not to get into those details too much here, but um, how much do you does does Doc use in terms of uh, upreit units? It would seem like, you know, your business model would be perfect, especially these larger positions groups. If there are changes to the 1031 uh, business model, you know, it would be an idea to me, you know, being able to take shares in currency. Uh, would be would be kind of the next best substitute for 1031s. Um, do you have that ability, and do you see that? Are you doing any of that at all? 
yeah, you know, over the, over the course of our, of our history, I'm a tax lawyer by training. So I'm always about, you know, talking to the doctors about, you know, tax planning and, and the efficiency of trading their buildings for operating units. And again, that's a straightforward partnership transaction, 721 transaction under the code. Um, we've got about a hundred shareholders that are, that hold units, not, uh, you know, not the stock directly, but uh, who've traded their buildings for those units. We continue to use that as a, as a very viable tool going forward. Um, you know, 1031 is an important uh, tool to preserve. Uh, obviously, it's kind of on the, on the table um, as one of those items to, to consider to raise revenue. But the operating partnership units is a you know, far superior option in regardless. Um, now, if, you know, if we were recycling buildings, 1031 would be important. Uh, preservation of that would be important to the REIT. Uh, directly, but it's a great tool. Um, you know, right now a lot of people are thinking or looking at the tax proposals, and you know, doubling capital gains or increasing it. And uh, you know, we're, we're we're starting to hear some some talk about, hey, I'm ready, I'm ready to sell my buildings now before all those tax law changes occur, and I'll take cash because again, they're just seven twenty ones, ten thirty ones, just to defer the tax. Uh, you know, if you if you can lock it in now at ten to twenty percent, that might be better. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I. My mother's uh, looking to sell a townhome and, you know, she could potentially put it into a DST, which is, you know, is a, is a 1031 um, multi, multi uh, or co-ownership yeah. vehicle, similar to a REIT. Um, right. And, you know, if I was a large physician's group, uh, you know, especially right now, I mean, 5% yield, pretty good yield, you know, with the full liquidity, yeah. take, take it out anytime you want it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess the last thing I want to touch on, and you probably know where I'm where I'm headed here with this one, because I always talk about the dividend last. Um, again, still fairly attractive yield. Again, I think there's some uh, there's definitely room for some price appreciation here with Doc today. But in terms of dividend growth, and in fact, I've I've uh, let a couple of my uh, subscribers know I was going to be talking to you today, and and I had a, they all have asked me uh, about <laughs> dividend growth, and uh, sure. you know I know you get this a lot. Uh, obviously, it's uh, you know, it's the chicken and the egg. Obviously, you've got to grow, you know, grow into it to be able to, uh, you know, grow your earnings stream. But it looks like you're kind of on that path moving forward. So, um, you know, kind of how do you feel about the, the payout ratio today and, and kind of what's your what's your target uh, payout ratio? Yeah, so we um, and I think I think we're 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 growing into uh, the opportunity to, to really evaluate and, and increase the, you know, in 2020. The, you know, so many people cut their dividends, either the rent wasn't getting paid or, you know, just preservation of capital until, you know, you, you, you know, realize, you, know, you could tell that you're going to come out of the back end of the, of the pandemic and, and still exist in some cases and, and thrive in, in our case. And so, you know, 2020 was not a year to do that, even though we, we, we had a, a fine year with, with cash flow and collections. But we, going into this year, you know, again, seeing if we can generate some growth. Uh, we really look at, we talk about multiples before, we really look at FAD. Um, with 96% of our buildings leased um, and, and buying new buildings a lot of the time over the last few years, especially, you know, we, we were able to manage our CapEx, um, you know, at a very uh, smaller number than most of our peers, which really helps us generate more FAD. So FFO minus CapEx gives you what's, what's cash available to, to increase the dividend. So that's where we've been growing, and um, we'll continue to grow that and, and focus hard on on striking that right balance. And then we can consider uh, increasing the dividend. You know, ninety, yeah, I'd say ninety percent of or more of our shareholders are kind of agnostic about growing the dividend, but it's important. 
and uh, you know we expect to to grow it over time. Yeah, and I would I would guess that ninety percent are institutional investors, maybe ten percent would be retail that's, investors. That's right. Uh, that's right. We, you know, we care about the ten percent just as much, and and so yeah. and bottom line is we want to grow our fad. And growing our fat allows us to grow the dividend, and uh, we feel real, real good about our growth prospects. Well, we, we can always trade up. We can always barter, John. We'll take the monthly dividend, okay? <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let you go another year or two without. Well, I got one board member that is a monthly dividend payer. So <laughs> <laughs> Look, you got the clever ticker name. You know, you got the doc. You know, the only thing missing is monthly dividend. So, uh, listen, John, thank you for your time and uh, appreciate you jumping on and, and look forward to catching up with you again here soon. Thanks very much, Brad.